Hello, and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860 located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. I remember being a brand new baby Christian back in 1980. And uh, Karen and I and, and uh, <clears throat> our daughters, we attended the Calvary Chapel uh, there in Napa, California. And one evening after the evening service, the midweek evening service, I was roaming around on the property and I, I went up into uh, one of the rooms that was uh, one of the youth rooms there at the church. And as I walked by this youth room and into it, they had this poster uh, that you buy at a store, but it was a poster up on the wall uh, hanging up in that room, and the poster said, Experience... Uh, Acts chapter 29 and uh, and I looked at that particular poster and it made me curious I was new to the Bible and I wondered what in the world could be so special about Acts chapter 29 uh, that they would make a poster about this so I went up right up against the poster it's sitting on the wall and I began to turn in my Bible to Acts chapter 29 and I discovered what perhaps some of you are discovering even at this moment and that is that there are only 28 chapters in, in uh, the book of, of Acts and as, as that dawned on me I've got my Bible open it's clear what I'm doing as I'm standing in, in front of this poster I felt so stupid and I looked around to see if anybody else, you know, saw what in the world it was that I was, uh, was doing. Look at that guy. He thinks there's an Acts chapter 29 in his, in his Bible. And I, and I quickly slipped uh, out of the room. And I felt really dumb and I felt uh, really embarrassed. But I realized it really drove home the point of the poster for sure in my life. And I realized that what the poster was encouraging us to do was to allow the life and, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and, and the life that we see because of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts to not end historically in the book of Acts, but that it was intended to continue through every age of the church and an encouragement that what we read in the book of Acts would not stop there, but that would then characterize each one of, of our lives. And I've always wanted everything that the Lord has had for me, and I wanted it then, and, uh, and I want it even more so uh, now in my life. And let me say that there is no book of Acts apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. I have, a, I have a New King James Bible before me here. It is the Schofield edition. I turn to the opening page uh, of the book of Acts, and it declares this to be the Acts of the Disciples. Don't believe that. If it was the Acts of the Disciples, it would be 28 chapters of fighting over who was the greatest. Uh, some of you have Bibles where it is more accurately, and the titles are given by men. That's not inspired by the Holy Spirit. The content is inspired by the Spirit. Some of you have Bibles that are a little more accurate where they say, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to strain at a gnat related to this, but it is supremely and way above what it, the Acts of the Apostles. It, it, it much more, it is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's the deeper truth. That's the greater truth. Because there is no book of Acts apart from that work of the Spirit, the one who indwelt them and empowered them to live the life that they lived. Now, if one wants to live and experience Acts chapter 29, where in the world do you start? Well, you start at the beginning, and uh, you start where the book of Acts starts in chapter 1 with Jesus' instruction related to the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be, and then these are underlinable words, you don't have to do it, next five words, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And Jesus is assembled with his disciples uh, in, 
in the city of Jerusalem somewhere, and uh, it's been 40 days since his resurrection, and uh, it's going to be 10 days, 10 days now before uh, the uh, day of, of Pentecost, and his final instruction to these disciples. He's going to ascend into heaven as soon as he's done speaking to them, and then making his way to the Mount of Olives and ascending into heaven. The final subject that he speaks to them about is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You think about that. Here he is and what he's been to them uh, personally, what he's been to them in terms of his presence with them for three and a half years. He is going to cease now having a face-to-face relationship with them, and he's going to ascend into heaven. What are his final words going to be to them in the light of the commission that he has given them, that is to make disciples of all nations, and as if that wasn't hard enough to do, they were going to have to do it fighting against the world, the flesh, and the devil, that unholy trinity, every step of the way while they endeavored to to do this. And so here's this tremendous commission in the face of tremendous opposition, and Jesus, in the light of that, speaks to them about the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now notice in verse 4, there's a word there, and it's the word wait. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now that word wait uh, always gets my attention. The reason it does is because it seems completely inconsistent with, you know, what I would say in this particular situation. I mean, you look at this whole thing, and, and uh, the, it, 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 it is, as he's saying goodbye to them, and, and he speaks to them about waiting there for the promise of, of the Father, the very last thing in the world that I would have thought that Jesus would say to these disciples in this context is wait. I would have thought that Jesus would have looked at these guys and said, listen, if you haven't figured this out by now, you're never going to figure it out. You've seen every miracle, you've seen every healing, you've heard every bit of teaching, you've watched me and how I've handled myself in every kind of circumstance in the past three and a half years, and if you haven't got this figured out by now, then you're hopeless. And so now get out there, make up some tracks, and start witnessing for me. That's not what he does. That's what I'd have done. See, it's a completely different book. He tells them to wait. Now, this tells me something very, very important. At least it is to me. I think it will be to some of you. This tells me that whatever this baptism with the Holy Spirit is, it cannot be replaced by any amount of experience, of training, of talent, of education, of determination, of experience, of love for God, even a years-long history with God. Jesus says, don't do anything in my name. Don't hand out a tract. Don't say anything about me. Don't do anything for me until you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it can shock us. Especially, I think, is Christians in the United States of America. Because in the United States of America, Christian and non-Christian, there's a great tendency to put our trust in our talent and in our training and in our education and our determination, our experience, our hard work. We are those things. And then to say, that's how you make the book of Acts happen, rather than... The, the emphasizing of the importance of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And there's no book of Acts apart from that baptism. And so the book of Acts is not a testimony to the talent and the training and the education and the determination of God's people. It's a testimony to the reality of this thing called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So whatever this thing is, In Jesus' mind, it is absolutely essential and it is completely irreplaceable. Now, notice also in verse 4 that the baptism with the Holy Spirit 
is the Father's idea. He said, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. I want you to notice that this baptism with the Holy Spirit is not something that the Pentecostals have come up with. And God bless the Pentecostals. I'm not putting them down. But the baptism with the Holy Spirit is something that was promised by the Father. And sometimes in our minds, we can equate the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the filling with the Holy Spirit, that that's something that the Pentecostal portion of the body of Christ is into and all, and it's something that's unique to them, and they have come up with it. But, and, and, and the Pentecostals have literally, for the last hundred years, they have probably been the most faithful to emphasize the importance of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I mean, doing it almost alone in the early decades of, of the last century. And because they kind of carried the weight of it for so many decades that I think that in other more conservative parts of the body of Christ, upon hearing the phrase, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that we can uh, immediately, you know, dismiss it as an invention of Pentecostalism. And how shocked some of us can be to discover that in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 it doesn't have its origin in Pentecostalism. It has its origin in our Heavenly Father. It is called the promise of the Father. And notice, <laughs> it cracks me up. It always cracks me up. To give you some idea, verse 6, of how prone Christians are to underestimate the importance of the baptism with the Holy Spirit from the very beginning, this tendency that we have, the disciples immediately attempt to change the subject. And they ask Jesus, when are you going to establish your kingdom? When are you going to get rid of all this other stuff and come and set up the, your kingdom here fully on the earth as it's fully described in the law and the prophets? And then finally we'll know who's going to sit at your right hand and your left hand. We're dying to know. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They'd rather talk about prophecy than talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is such a gracious teacher. He just redirects the attention of the disciples back to the subject that he knows is going to, in very short order, be much more important to them, practically speaking, than a a sermon on the end times, and that is the importance of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now notice in verse 8, he tells us what the baptism with the Holy Spirit is. It is the Holy Spirit coming upon a Christian. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you're going to circle one word in that verse, I've circled four. So not, no pressure. But if you're going to circle one word in that verse, it would be the word upon, be the most important, I think, in, in that. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit coming upon a person. Now, in the New Testament, which is written in the Greek, there are three Greek prepositions that are used to describe the relationship between the Holy Spirit and a Christian. And one of the words is the word para. We get our word parallel from, uh, from that word. And the word para means alongside or with. Jesus said in John 14, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is always para with us, always around. He's everywhere all at the same time. He can't help but be that. There's another Greek preposition. It's the Greek word en, en. And we get our English word in from it as the comparable word for that. And this relationship with the Holy Spirit occurs when we're born again, when God's Holy Spirit comes inside of our lives, and now we're born again by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul wrote of it, and, and he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? He wrote to the Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 9, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. 
if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Every single Christian has the Holy Spirit in them, or they are not a Christian. It is what makes us uh, a Christian. Remember, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 14, again, in verses 16 and 17, And I will pray the Father, he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. Already read that verse before, and then here is the E-N, the in, and will be in you. Now, when Jesus speaks to these, these disciples in Acts chapter 1, The Holy Spirit is already with them. The Holy Spirit is already in them, inside of them. If you turn just a few pages to the left in your Bible to John chapter 20, verse 21. John 20, verse 21, Jesus appearing to the disciples the evening of his resurrection from the dead. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. After his death, his burial, his resurrection, now people can be born again by the Holy Spirit. And he breathes upon them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 20, talking about 40 days earlier, they receive the Holy Spirit into their lives. And yet the Holy Jesus speaks here, before he ascends into heaven, of a third experience with the person of the Holy Spirit that's characterized by the third preposition, which is E-P-I, a pi or a P. And, and that is the word upon, and that's the word that's used there in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit not only with me, not only in me, but upon me. And Jesus wanted them to have this. Not enough to be with you, not enough to even be in you. Now Jesus wants the Holy Spirit to be upon us. Now notice in that that verse 8 that this baptism with the Holy Spirit is the provision of power by the Holy Spirit. He said, you shall receive power. And the word power there is dunamis. We get our word dynamic from it, dynamite from it, dynamo uh, from it. And so it, it is the imparting of a dynamic power into our, our lives by the Holy Spirit. Extraordinary power. But then notice further that the power is given for a purpose. It's not given supremely to shout the loudest in a church service or to lengthen legs or something like that. Those are wonderful if God wants to do those things. But that's not why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is given. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is power that is given for a purpose. It is the power to be witnesses to Jesus. Jesus said, and you shall be witnesses to me. It's not the power to witness, to street witness. It's more than that. It is the power to be a witness. It is the power to live a life that looks like Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus was water baptized to begin his uh, public ministry? And uh, he's down at the Jordan River, and John the Baptist baptizes him. After John protests, you know, who am I to baptize you? Can you imagine being the one? There you are at the end. You're going to, oh, you understand John's dilemma. So Jesus said, listen, it needs to be so, so do it. And he did it. And then when Jesus came up out of the water, his water baptism, and then as he is Uh, about to begin his public ministry for three and a half years, what happens? We're told that the Holy Spirit came upon him. A P, the same Greek preposition. And Jesus began his public ministry with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The life that Jesus lived for those three and a half years of his public ministry, he did not live that life in the power of his deity. He never ceased to be divine. 
But he lived the life that he lived of obedience to the Father in the same power that is available to each of us. He lived that life that he lived in the power of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that that teaches me is there's nothing to be afraid of related to the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it will produce the same quality, holy, beautiful, attractive life in us that it, that it produced within, within Jesus. So it is the power to live a life that looks like him. To witness, uh, be a witness to him, to serve him, to be faithful to his call upon my life, to live a holy life, to live a loving life, and, and to be like him even to the point of, of death. Now, the terminology has always fascinated me. Why in the world he wouldn't just say, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and, and then proceed to give us the details on it. Why call it the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Why well, use the terminology baptize like he does? Not convinced he's trying to communicate something uh, to us through the use of the term. You ever hug someone that's been water baptized? I hope you have. Put that on your list of 30 things you want to do before you go to be with the Lord or whatever. When we water baptize people, we, we immerse them in water. We put them all the way down under there, under the water. It's a biblical model. That's the water baptism baptism means to be surrounded it means to be immersed <laughs> so we put them all the way down in, into the water and you bring them up out of the water and they're so excited and everything and they go to the edge of the pool or the river or whatever it is and come up out and their friends and their family are so excited that they've been you know water baptized and they all hug and all of these kinds of things even before they can get a towel and 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 uh, and, and dry off and when you hug a person that's been baptized in water what do you get on you you get water on you. You get on you whatever they've been baptized in. And when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then when people come into contact with you, they are now coming into contact with the Holy Spirit. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is given, its purpose for, in order that when people come into contact with me, they would n never again, God forbid, never again come into contact with Damien Kyle, but that they would come into contact with the Holy Spirit that is with me and in me and upon me. That's who God wants people to come into contact with when they come into contact with us, with Him upon our lives. Now notice further that it is a power to live a life like Jesus anywhere in the world. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, this power to live a Christ-like life is effective everywhere. You don't have to cross, you know, from uh, uh, Stanislaus County heading north and you head into San Joaquin County and you lose the reception. So, oh no, it's weaker here. No, it's not. Or you take an international flight somewhere, or you go to Disneyland, or you head over to, you know, Opie's house, or whatever it, it might be, or anything. And it, it, we can be anywhere in the world. And this power of the Holy Spirit is equally powerful. And it's equally powerful for us to be a witness in our homes, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, at work. Again, wherever we might find ourselves in the world doing any kind of things, whether you're in India or Colombia or Germany or Russia or China or Israel or the United States, wherever. One of the things that's funny about pastors is uh, there's a lot of things that's funny about pastors. Got to keep your sense of humor. But sometimes you have, there'll be like pastor conferences and things like that. And it's not all pastors, but an awful lot of us, we tend to think that the place that we're ministering in is the hardest place in the whole world. It just doesn't get any harder than here in Duluth. 
You put them in the Bible Belt, and it's hard because it's the Bible Belt. You put them in New England, where the Christian heritage is gone, and then it's hard because the Christian heritage is gone. I mean, we've got a reason, all all this uh, kind of thing. But no matter where God puts us in the world, this power, we, we have what is necessary in order to live a Christ-like life. It's not stronger in one place and lesser in, in another place. Everywhere these disciples would go in the book of Acts, they would have his power. We have the same thing. Now, how in the world does a person experience this baptism with the Holy Spirit? I want you to notice there in verse 8 that it's received, but you shall receive power. Now, receives a gift word, isn't it? Receives a grace word. It's not a works word. It says, and you shall earn power. There's a lot of people like that. All right, I've got to get the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to huff, and I'm going to puff. I'm going to... Can't do it like Gail Irwin, working on my cheeks. They're getting there. But anyway, uh, so that... It, but it's, it's receive. It's, it's a grace Word, In other words, it's just there for the asking. And all is completely consistent with what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. Hold your place in Acts there and turn to Luke 11 with me, if you will. A little to the left in your Bible. Go through John and then to Luke. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Very, very important. Some of you know while we're turning there, you think, you know, you could just tell me this stuff in five minutes and cut to the end, and I'm open to all this stuff. And that'd be great. You'd save all of us a lot of time if everyone were like you. But there's other people. They, won't, they will not accept. This is, this is a controversial subject. And they will not be open to anything they don't understand that there's a biblical basis for. That's why we take the time with it. Now notice in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus said, and I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, here it is, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Ask is a receive word, isn't it? It's a grace word. It's a gift word. We receive it by simply and sincerely asking God for it. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. And God never fails to answer that prayer. None of us are fighting God on this. It's God's idea. He wants it for all of us. We're not going to find him resistant related to all of this. He wants everybody to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, And so we ask to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and no person upon asking to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is ever the same person that they were a moment before. Because to ask for it is to receive it. But don't wait for an emotion. Don't wait for some kind of a feeling. There's some people that get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it's a very emotional experience. And I think that's terrific. And then there's another group of people. They get baptized with the Holy Spirit, and, and, uh, and, and we recognize that there's a new dynamic or a new power in our lives, but we don't get emotional about it. Both of those things, all that's fine. The main thing is don't judge whether it has happened based upon some emotional experience because the baptism with the Holy Spirit is received in the same way that salvation is received. It's received by faith. God promises it. He he promises that he's going to give it in his word, that if we ask for it, he's going to give it. So then we ask for it. He gives it to us. Now we've got it. Now I need to accept that as a fact and begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit by faith. And to walk into any situation that I walk in and say, based upon God's Word, I have the power to live and to sound like Christ in the middle of this situation. One of the hardest situations in life, Thanksgiving dinner. 
wherever all the families around or friends or whatever that can, whatever environment that it might be. I know I have because I've asked, he's promised the power to live a life that looks like Christ and sounds like him in the middle of, of this situation. And then as I begin to obey his word, I discover that the power is there to do it. Now, sometimes people get confused regarding all of this, and they say, I thought we got everything we needed regarding the Holy Spirit when we, when we get saved. Doesn't the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, that there's one baptism? Now, if you think I've been technical so far, just for the next 40 seconds, just uh, relax. It does. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul says there's one baptism. And as Paul is writing there, he's speaking of all the things that unify us as Christians. And I believe he's talking about water baptism there in, in that passage. That as Christians, one of the things that we share in common is the experience of water baptism. But Paul also wrote to the Corinthians speaking of our conversion experience as being baptized into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one Spirit. Interestingly, the writer of the book of Hebrews speaks of baptisms in the plural. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. There are at least three Christian experiences described as baptism in the Scriptures. Being baptized into the body of Christ to become a Christian, to be water baptized, and then the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So Paul cannot be saying something in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, that casts doubt upon the legitimacy of any of these three because he taught the importance of all three. He is merely saying that one of the many things that we have in common as Christians is the experience of water baptism. Now, let me show you a place in the book of Acts where the baptism with the Holy Spirit occurs in a Christian's life subsequent to their conversion experience. Turn a few pages to the right to Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, an evangelist who's also a deacon by the name of Philip has gone into a region called Samaria there in the, in the area of, of Israel, and, and uh, he's gone there preaching Christ to them. Notice in verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to the Samaritan population. And then notice in verse 12, but when they believed, it's the same word as John 3:16, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But when they believed Philip as he preached concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they're saved. Both men and women were baptized. There is no way in the world that Philip is going to water baptize people that have not been born again. So here you have a group of people that have heard the gospel, they are saved, believed in Jesus, and they are now water baptized. Notice, though, word gets to the apostles in the city of Jerusalem that we got a mere deacon out there in the middle of a, of a revival in Samaria. And so they send Peter and John, and I say that kiddingly and affectionately, but they send Peter and John then to uh, Samaria to see how things are going and all, and we're told that, verse 15, who when they had uh, come down, they prayed for these new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen, there's our word again, upon 
None of them. Doesn't say the Holy Spirit wasn't with them. Doesn't say the Holy Spirit wasn't in them. They just hadn't been baptized with the Holy Spirit yet. Saved, and yet there was some lapse of time between the time they were saved and when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Some people receive all of it, whole kit and caboodle, you know, the, all three prepositions in their life the moment that they get saved. My wife Karen did. It's wonderful. When I got saved, I, I tried to do it in my own strength for a little while. It's uh, fairly impossible, take my word for it. <laughs> and it was a period of time that went by before I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not a long period of time, but there was a period of time. So I know what it is to try and live this life in my own strength and the frustration of it and the impossibility of it. And then I know what it is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and have a supernatural power now to draw on to live this uh, life. And sometimes people, they don't even, they don't understand all this stuff and they're just baptized with the Holy Spirit. You go to some, you know, little old church someplace or something and, and there's a woman, she's at the front door of the church and she's handing out bulletins and she's about 4,500 years old and, uh, and all, and she's got a smile as big as the sun and there is just a flow out of her life, just full of God and the Holy Spirit pouring out of her. She may not know the first thing about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. But something has happened in some language of her heart or asking of God in some kind of a way, a surrender there that God has understood by her as asking for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in her life and, and He has given it to her. I don't, I, it, it, I don't want to, you know, complicate the thing and it's always in some kind of, of, a, of a formula. My point is, is that it can happen at conversion, it can happen after conversion. Don't overthink it. Leave that to me. If you have it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, great. If you don't have it, ask. I don't want anybody to doubt whether they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit when they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to help people who recognize an absence of power in their life to live this life, to let them know that that power exists and it's there for the asking. And, and always... When, I, when I'll teach uh, something like this, there'll be some people that will catch me, and their life is, I mean, they're just clearly baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and they'll catch me at the back door, and I don't know if I've ever done this, you know, and the, Jesus is pouring out of their life like crazy and, and all. But some of the teaching will make them kind of doubt whether it just happened just so, you know, uh, for, for them. And, and I just say, you've got it, you know, somewhere along the line. You asked for it in a way that God understood. Now, you've got it. Go enjoy it. Now, let me, let me tie up some loose ends here. While we're in this passage, in, in Acts chapter 8, I also would warn against anyone saying that the single great evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit will be speaking in tongues. Maybe someone would have the gift of tongues when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, as well as any of the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, but maybe not. And, and I, I'm, not, I'm not against any gift of the Holy Spirit. We may get into this a little later in the series. But in Acts chapter 8, there is clearly the experience of the upon of the Holy Spirit on those disciples, those Christians, without the manifestation of tongues. The person says, well, wait a second. Simon recognized that the Holy Spirit came upon this group. Somehow he recognized it. Surely it was the gift of tongues. Don't do that. Don't speak into silence related to the Scriptures. I'm convinced that the, all the way through in the teaching of the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures, God gives Himself a little elbow room to do things how He wants to do them. And we try to wrap the whole thing up, even if we have to fill His silence so that we can say it's always like this when he doesn't want it always to be like this. It's under his control what gifts he gives and how he, he, he confirms the fact that that has happened in, in a person's life. The, great, the single great evidence that a person has been baptized with the Holy Spirit will be God's agape love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is tongues. No, I'm not putting tongues down. 
not putting any gift down. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. It's a description of Jesus. And so we can just relax. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is going to produce within my life. A love that Christ has. And, and these characteristics of, of love in our lives that mark the life of Jesus. Now, it's critical to understand, technically, the Bible teaches that there's one baptism with the Holy Spirit for a person, but there are many refillings with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, all these Christians baptized with the Holy Spirit. But then you turn to Acts chapter 4 and verses 29 to 31. I'll read it for you. Here you have them, all these people, they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but there in those verses they are asking to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. And they said in prayer, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. One baptism with the Holy Spirit. I never ask God to rebaptize me with the Holy Spirit. And I've already done that in my Christian life. But I ask Him every single day, and most days all through the day to be freshly refilled with the Holy Spirit. Why would we need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit? We leak. We leak. It's as simple as that. And when we don't leak, uh, there's, people are drawing virtue from us. They are drawing uh, what Christ is in us from our, our lives. They're, they're drawing it out of us as they, they come into contact uh, with us. So there needs to be that being refilled. You start the day, surrender to God's will and reading the Word and, and talking the day over with Him, you know, and asking to be refilled with His Holy Spirit. And so you head out of wherever, you know, you do this with the Lord in the morning and you head out and, I mean, there you are ready to go and then what's happening? The kids wake up. It would be so easy to be Spirit-filled and not leak if it weren't for those children. And so they come out, what do they do? Immediately begin to draw on all of this fruit of the Holy Spirit from, from, from our lives. Or you go to work and you head through a series of hard phone calls. Or you look at the ones that are waiting, you've got to make them, and your heart just sinks and you know this is going to tap. These are going to be really hard to make. Say, Lord, freshly fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want you to come out of me in all of this. And the temptation will be great for me to come out in, in all of this. An unexpected rush comes into the restaurant. You're hurrying to get the whole thing. And, oh, Lord, freshly fill me with your Holy Spirit now for what's happening here right now. You're walking down the hallway at, at work, and here he comes. I mean, need in human flesh. And just and you just comes and then draw and by the time you get done talking to this person, I mean he sucked everything out of you. You say, it's ten o'clock in the morning, I've already been completely tapped. Say, Lord, freshly fill me with your Holy Spirit and the overflow of your spirit in my life. And God will always be faithful to do it. I don't, know, I don't know what I would do without this in my life. Constantly asking Him to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Now let me close with this and have you turn to John, John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37. And I, I just want to look at what Jesus has to say about all of this so He can untangle all of it and make it super simple uh, for us. And uh, sometimes the terminology and all of this gets people all confused and everything, and so Jesus makes it real, real simple for us. John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37. And on the last day, that great day of the feast, 
Jesus stood and cried out, saying, he's in Jerusalem, uh, Feast of Tabernacles, and he says, and there's just hundreds of thousands of people around, and he's saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart or his innermost being will flow rivers or torrents of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But in Acts chapter 1, he is glorified. And, and so here he talks about uh, this coming to Jesus and ex an experience with the Holy Spirit that is one where there is such an overflow of the Holy Spirit out of our lives. It's like a torrent of living water. You just picture this. It's like a fire hydrant is how I see it. You ever see them open, those fire hydrants? That's what we are. We're just walking around, you know, <clears throat> and, and to, to be all of that. But, but and, and, and that's what he's, he's promising. That, kind, that, that amount, that level of virtue coming out of, of our lives calls it a torrent of living water. And this, so you've got this overflowing work of God's Spirit that not only blesses me, but then it blesses everyone that I'm coming into contact with. A work of the Holy Spirit that results in people coming into contact with Him when they come into contact with us and not with us. So technically, we're like human drinking fountains, spiritually speaking, in, in the world. We are a source of spiritual refreshment, refreshment in the world as Christians. He likens it to a river of, of living water. Now, when he talks about living water, that's Jewish for running water. That's Jewish for river water, water that's moving rather than pond water or lake water. Think about all of the people that will be refreshed and affected by the rivers of the world today. Think about how many people will be affected and refreshed by the Nile River today and the Amazon today in the Mississippi today, in the Yangtze, in the Rhine. You go all the way around the world related to these things. And what those rivers are to people physically is what God intends this torrent of living water, this river of His life coming out of our lives to be to people spiritually. That we would be a source of refreshment to them. A source of holiness uh, to them, a place to come and get a spiritual drink from our lives. Trust Jesus to make it so simple. And so the question is no longer one of terminology and baptism and where is it used and all. We've got to do all that stuff to help us be comfortable with, with all of it and all. But the, the, now the, 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 the question is, is there a torrent of living water of God's Holy Spirit? coming forth out of my life as out of my innermost being. And if there isn't, there is a greater work of the Holy Spirit to be had in my life. That's all. That's all. And it's there for the asking and then the receiving there's no book of Acts apart from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you want to live that most exciting life that can be lived, the, the, the chapters that follow these 28 you know, action-packed chapters, it all begins. Experiencing Acts chapter 29, it all begins with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And that just begins with a recognition of, I don't have that power. I'm trying to live this in my own strength. And it's impossible and it's frustrating and I'm falling and I'm falling and I'm falling and, and this is killing me kind of thing. Or I'm not the witness that I want to be. I'm trying, but I lack the power to do it. God knows that. And to just come to Him and ask Him for this. Or maybe you were baptized with the Holy Spirit back in 1965 and uh, you're still holding on that. <laughs> I did that back. I was in Louisiana. And was, 
And there might need, be a need where you know firsthand that power. But it's been a long time since you've asked to be refilled. We just ask. And he comes through and he gives it to us. The worship team will come forward right now. We'll get a chance to pray. It's a supernatural life. It takes supernatural power to be able to live it. God knows it more than we do. And he gives us the power there just for the asking. Let's pray together. As we sit, sit here this morning, only God knows <laughs> where he has taken each one of us individually by his spirit in this time in his word. But if he's taken you someplace where you look at it and you say, that's me. I'm, I'm trying to do it in my own strength. I don't know this power. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I know that God is with me. I know all of that. But I don't know this in my Christian life. And it's so frustrating and it's so hard. And, or, or if you just look at it and you say, there's, I, I, there's not the love that I want to have coming out of, out of my life. It's all there just for the asking. And I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 that you need to ask. I, I would ask for you if he said to do that. But you need to ask him in your own heart for that. And I'm just going to give you a moment right now to just ask him. Say, Lord, that's me. I listen to what this pastor has shared here from the Word. I see it. I see my need for it. I need that power. And I ask you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless.